It is a good day to be in church. Yeah, man, it is good to be here and back with each and every one of you today. Uh, I want to thank you guys. I want to welcome those of you first who are joining us online. Can we give a big hand to our Branchville facility, guys? Good morning, gentlemen. We're so glad that you're here with us. I just want to thank uh, every one of you personally for praying for me, for uh, delivering things and craziness to my house. And uh, it was just an awesome time, and, and God has really been with me. But if I sound like I'm going through puberty at any time during today's message, uh, that's part of it. And, uh, you know, every now and then my voice just cuts out, so I might have to come back and repeat some, or I just might walk off the platform and go, we're done for today, and it'll be an awesome Sunday. <laughs> and uh, so I want to tell you something that's happening right now that we didn't tell you about uh, prior to you arriving. Uh, all of your windshields, just the windshields of your car are being cleaned right now in the parking lot. Now, the reason we're doing this is not because we're nice. We are, but not just for that reason. We have students who are trying to raise money to go to the Fix You Retreat, and we don't just want to give them money. Many of you have given money for them to go to these retreats. Well, we believe that people should work, okay, also to make their way there. So many of the students are working out there. They're the ones cleaning or destroying your windshield right now. So you're going to see them after service today uh, trying to get money from you, okay? They're not trying to steal your money. They've done something in return for it. Now, if you have a really nice car, okay, uh, they were told to stay away from it, but I'm going to encourage you to give anyway. Now, I don't have a pair of glasses because I'm trying to look like a hipster, okay? My age has finally caught up to me. And uh, I can't make the font any bigger without just having one word on a page here for today's message. So we're in week two of our series, No Offense, and Pastor Dave did an incredible job last week in filling in. And uh, let me tell you this. If you didn't watch last week's message, you need to go back and watch last week's message. This five-week series, it builds on itself. And there's a reason we're spending five weeks on not being offensive or not being, uh, being offended, okay? The series is called No Offense. Okay, we're getting ready to go into November where Christians start fighting against Christians over something they don't care about for four years at a time. We only care for a two-week period of time, and what we want to make sure that we do is teach you how to still be a Christian and love somebody you disagree with, how to go to heaven with somebody that you disagree with. Can you say amen this morning? Right? So this morning, I'm talking about dealing with those people, dealing with those people. How many of you know, raise your hand. Once I said those people, you knew what I was talking about. How many of you know? I don't even have to describe them. You know those people, okay? They know everything, literally everything. And you need to be careful with those people because they're crazy. Those people will attack you for no reason. Uh, if you don't know what those people are like, they're overtly critical. They're controlling. They're mean. They know everything about everything. They are never wrong. They're the most spiritual person you've ever met. Okay. They know more about the government and COVID than anything you've ever heard. Okay. They will shout it out and they're going to tell you from the mountaintops. Those are the people we're talking about. All right. They shout 
so much stuff on social media, like I can't keep up with what they know. Their knowledge base is beyond, and they're constantly offended. Okay, they're the ones at the office who spread rumors. They've never met the person. They saw them in the parking lot, and they're like, that guy's a killer. I know it for sure, right? I, I can just feel it. Right, and you can't hardly go to big family gatherings even anymore without there being one of those people present. And if you're not sure what I'm describing, odds are it's you. <laughs> you are that person. Okay, so this morning what I want to talk to you about is those people. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to help us not only to deal with those people, but if we are those people, that you're going to deal with us as well. Lord, speak to our hearts. Change our lives through your message, through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You know, as followers of Jesus, we are called to love everyone, even those people. Some people are difficult to love. Even today, it is getting more and more difficult to love people. You can't spend five seconds. Many of you are going to be offended today before you even leave church. Okay, if you're not offended by what I did, you're going to be offended by what our students did to your car. You're going to be offended by somebody who snuffed you. You know, they took the last donut that you wanted. You didn't say anything. You were just offended. You're going to go on social media and someone's going to have said something that just gets under your skin and you're going to be offended. We constantly live in a state of offense and you find yourself angry and frustrated with those people. And what I want to do is I want to read to you out of Ephesians chapter 4 uh, what Paul is writing in verse 26. We're going to read the entire thing, then we're going to dissect it line by line and go through it today. And it says this, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26, it says, In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but what is beneficial or benefits those who listen? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander among, along with every other form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, I want to start with that first line there, and it says this, in your anger, do not sin, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and don't give the devil a foothold. Now, in your anger, it applies that you're going to get angry. That's a good thing. The Bible's actually saying and acknowledging you're going to get angry. You're going to have anger in your life. But then it goes on to say something else. In your anger, do not, let's try that again. This is an interactive church if you've never been here before. Okay, I don't know what Dave taught you while I was gone. I watched online, but apparently I couldn't hear people talk. In your anger, do not, right, in your anger, do not sin. So it implying that you are going to get angry. And the truth of the matter is we know that that's going to happen today at some point. All right. I've never had a part in my life where anger made anything better. 
I didn't, I didn't have my marriage get better because I was angry during one part of it. I've never been bitter in my life gotten better. I've never held an offense against somebody else and my life just magically got better. It didn't happen that way. The Bible says this, that in your anger, even though you're going to get angry, don't sin. And here's what we learn from that. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. Man, that was much better than the silence I just heard, but that's okay. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice, okay? You are going to run into people. You are going to run into statements. You are going to get offended. Living there is a problem, okay? Living offended is a choice. You need to be careful. And I used to think where it says this part, don't give the devil a foothold, okay? Be careful that in your anger, when things are piling up and when things are having a, a, a problem in your life and you're being offended, I used to think that foothold meant like when somebody puts their foot in the door and they just try to shut the door, right? And that was your foothold. Or if you're mountain climbing, you know, I don't mountain climb or I ever try to climb anything actually, but... You know, when we're doing those things, if you're mountain climbing, the foothold is not the place you put there. The word in Greek is topos, which literally translates into a room or a place. A room or a place. So the Bible is saying, don't give the devil a room or a place in your life. So while you're angry, while you're living offended, you are literally giving him a place to live inside of you. You're giving him a location to live inside of you, and you are carrying it around. I read a story about an old preacher who this smug young person comes up to him and says, you know, if, if offense is a sin or it, it causes me to sin or anger is a sin, you know, and it says that it, and that it, that it weighs me down. Well, how much does it weigh? 10, 12 pounds, 50 pounds, 100 pounds? And the young, or the preacher responded and said this. He said, if I were to put 400-pound rock on top of a dead body, would he feel it? And the young man said, no. He's like, likewise, when sin is put on top of somebody who is sinful, they do not feel the full weight of what it is doing to their body. And I promise you that your offense even though you do not feel it, even though you think it does not have a place in your life and that it's not causing damage, it has killed your spirit, therefore you have felt nothing. Scary place to live. So being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. Be careful that you don't give the prince of darkness a foothold, a place to live in your life. We come to church every week so that we have Jesus in our lives, so that we are filled with the Spirit of God. I would hate for one thing to get buried so deep inside of me that literally it lives inside of me, killing all the spiritual work. So this is what I don't want to do. I don't want to give the devil access to these four areas or a foothold in these four areas of my life. I don't want to give him a foothold in my marriage. I don't want him to create a wedge between me and Jan, right? So I, I don't live offended with my wife, 
right? I don't want them to create a foothold between me and my children. I don't want them to have room, a space. I don't want to give the devil space. My children will offend me at some point in their life, right? So I don't want the devil to have a place in my life. I don't want him to have somewhere that he lives inside of there. I don't want him to come between my friends. I didn't have a picture of my friends, so I chose Dave. <laughs> right? But it's important. Dave is a good friend of mine. I don't want the devil. I don't want something or he's having a bad day or I'm having a bad day. This happened to us the other day. He actually called me and apologized for something he said. And I was like, good thing you did that because I was angry. I know that didn't happen. We didn't say that. He called me to apologize. I was like, Dave, you don't have to do that. That wasn't a big deal. And he's like, I just want to make sure that, that we are okay. I was like, we're okay. We don't want to give room to the devil to create wedges. We don't want to give him a place in our heart. The fourth area is in our church. Man, you're going to be offended by somebody in this church. Odds are I'm going to offend you at some point, Right? I offend somebody on a weekly basis around here, okay? It just happens. Somebody writes me, you know, everything I've done wrong. Pastor Darrell, you know, you went over there to McDonald's, you know, and I saw that you ate that. You shouldn't be eating that. You're our pastor. You're going to die soon if you do that. You know, I went, I, I saw you the other day. You were at Schnucks and you bought, you know, blueberries for $3 and over at Aldi, they're $2.95. You're not being a good steward of your money. They know everything. Right, And at some point, you have to be careful that you don't give the devil a foothold because I could very easily be offended and come back and go, you know what, I'm just going to hold that and it creates bitterness, rage, and anger inside of me and that's not what God wants to do. Now, if I were on Team Satan, which I'm not, some people think I am, but I'm not, but if I were on Team Satan, and they brought me into a strategy meeting and said, how could we best destroy Christians? How could we do this? I heard it said this way, and it was just brilliant when I listened to it this way. He said, if, if he were on this strategy team, if he were putting together this deal, this is what he would do, right? This is the strategy that he would help the devil come up with. And he called them the three D's of destruction. And the first one is this, that he would divide families, friends, and churches. And it's easier now than it's ever been to do it. All you have to do is talk about politics. I've never seen friendships destroyed over politics the way I'm seeing them today. You can talk about racial problems. You can talk about vaccines. I've seen families that won't talk to each other about what vaccine they did or did not get. You know, I had somebody come up to me and literally tell me every person who gets a vaccine is going to die within a year. And so they asked me to preach and tell everybody that. I said, well, I'm not going to do that. Well, it's been a year, and I want to go back up to that person now and be like, you're a false prophet. I'm going to have to stone you publicly, but, you know, it's nothing personal. But, but here's the deal. Family members, stop talking to, it will ruin marriages. I've seen people that the littlest thing, and I'm going, it doesn't matter. Do you honestly think that Jesus is up there worried about who we're going to vote for? Do you think that God is so small? I'm not saying you shouldn't vote. I think you should vote. Exercise your right. But there are people who God cares about who will never have the right to vote. 
And he still cares about them and is watching out for them and is trying to do those things and he's trying to tell them to live not offended. So if the greatest, the worst thing that's ever going to happen to you, okay, is that you're going to have to vote for somebody or live under somebody you don't like, you've got it made. There should have been an amen there. But you're angry, you're offended, that's okay. You'll see at the end you can't live that way. Divide Christians. That would be the goal. Divided Christians, okay, are a useless force. United Christians are unstoppable. And right now, the churches are more divided than they've ever been since I've started becoming a Christ follower. They're more divided today than they've ever been, right? So divided, weak, and ineffective, united, were unstoppable. The second thing he would do is distract Christians from their mission. He would get them mad about everything in culture. That's what he would do. The second strategy would be to get them mad about or, you know, distracted from their mission. They'll start boycotting businesses. They'll be more mad about what happens on Netflix and what Netflix puts out. Did you hear this series that came out on Netflix? I can't believe they would do that. Never purchase another thing from Netflix. And they'll get mad at all the other Christians. They'll spend all Sunday morning, instead of serving and holding a kid, their job is to tell every Christian to cancel their Netflix subscription. And I'm like, why is that so important? Well, they are Satan. I'm like, there's only one Satan. Everybody else is just following him. Everybody else is following. He's, Netflix isn't Satan. They're following that direction. Does that surprise you? They don't claim to be Christians. I love it when Christians are surprised by non-Christians acting like non-Christians. I was like, I am not shocked at all. They're like, I can't believe Disney World. I was like, I can. If my job waking up every day was to make money, that's what I would do. My job is to make Christians, Christ followers, not money. So they would distract them. They'd be comparing everything, you know, on Instagram. Do you see what this person said? They'd send you every conspiracy video known to man. How many of you have that person in your life? How many of you changed emails 10 times to avoid those people? And somebody, one of your friends is like, hey, they asked for that. I'm like, dang it, here we go again. I'm going to have to change my thing. You know, I'm like, I get more conspiracy videos. And then they put at the bottom, send this to a million people or else you don't love Jesus. I was like, I don't know a million people. I guess I don't love Jesus. So he would distract Christians from their mission. And the third thing he would try to do okay, is discredit their witness. He would get other Christians to discredit their witness. He would focus on what they are against and start arguing with Christians that are on a journey. Let me tell you something. Every Christian you meet is on a journey. That's why it is a race Okay, it is a race from the start of your life, from the time you meet Jesus to the end of your life. Don't be surprised if you've been serving Jesus for 30 years and somebody is 20 miles behind you. They don't catch up just because you go, you should do it this way. They don't get a speed course. They don't get to run up. So you're arguing. You're majoring on the minors. You're arguing. You're madding. You keep getting angry and critical and judgmental. And you're like, that person's being hypocritical. No, they're learning. It's not easy to be a Christ follower. If it were easy, everybody would just do it. 
And it's not easy to be a Christ follower. And so he would discredit their witness. He would make sure that every person was self-centered, self-righteous, easily offended, and ticked off at the world. You will never love anything that you're offended at. You won't make room for the things you're offended at. I know people who are like, that person can never walk in the, they can't even don the doors of my house. That's a dangerous statement. That person was created in the image of God. So he would try to discredit their witness. Tragically, it doesn't just happen outside of homes. It happens inside of homes. And here's the part of the verse that I I don't want you to miss because it happens a lot more than we think. It says in verse 26, it says, And in your anger do not sin. And then it says, Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let the sun go down. Don't let the day end while you're still angry. The day of your hurt should also be the day of your healing. The day of your hurt should also be the day of reconciliation for you. The day something happens to you should be the day you deal with it. There are people who will literally hold on to those things going, I cannot deal with these things. And the Bible goes, this is a dangerous precedent. Don't close your eyes. Don't let the sun go down without dealing with the things that bother you. The day of your hurt, the day you're betrayed or offended is the day for reconciliation. You're like, well, I don't know how to do that. How do you learn how to do something? You try it over and over and over again. You practice it, it becomes a habit, right? In my marriage, this was the hardest part for me to learn. It took me years to get this down. I am a slow learner. Okay, I'm not a fast guy. I don't know everything. Okay, but I used to think that it was okay, even though I knew this scripture, I thought it was okay just to go to bed angry. So I'm sitting there and I'm reading this and you know what I would do is I'm like, well, I'm just not going to talk to her. I'm going to teach her a lesson. I'm going to go sleep on the couch. And I would sleep, I wouldn't talk to my wife for three or four days. And I'd just be angry. I'm a pastor. I'm like going, I'm preaching, I'm doing all the right things, and I'm just angry at home. And I'm like, you know, I don't know if you know this, but when you're married, I don't know how it happens. Nobody teaches you how to be in war in bed, but everybody naturally knows how to have a war in their bed. Here's what I mean. You know, like when you're laying down and there's weird tension there and you're like, don't touch me. Right, like if your toes like glance together, you're like, oh no, you're not getting any toe today, pal. And you move that toe out of the way, you're like, I don't think so, buddy. Right? Or you start that chuffing, you're not, ah. They're like, what's wrong? Nothing. Ah. And right as they're getting ready to go to sleep and you can find, you know, their rhythms and you start tossing hard. You're like, is something wrong? You're like, no, no, nothing's wrong. Okay, you score points, you know, by yanking the covers your direction. You know, you're like, you have too many. This is mine. You know, we solved that in my marriage. We have two sets of covers on our bed. (laughs) But imagine how different friendships would be. Relationships with coworkers relationships with other people, if you reconciled the day it happened. You're like, well, that's not possible. Imagine how different it would be. So let's move on to verse 29. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. 
Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. What does that mean? It means belittling, bad-mouthing, criticizing people, calling them things like idiots and dummies and things they can't do. How do you do that? That's not easy. How do you live that way? Name-calling, criticizing people. Here's some things, okay, that I heard that I think will benefit you. These are some rules to live by if you want to make sure that you are not living a life that is not edifying and building up other people. Here are some things you should not do. Number one, never call names. Never call names. The second thing is never raise your voice. I was really bad at this, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. I am Hispanic to the core. And we are not famous for our calm demeanors. Okay? I used to like scream at my wife, and she is this beautiful white woman who comes from an amazing family, okay, where they don't yell at each other. They just talk nicely, and they solve their problems out. I'm screaming, and she's not responding to my screaming, and I'm like, I want to kill her because she's not screaming. I'm like, no, you need to be passionate like I am. She's like, oh, you're such a big man. She'll say things like that. You know, you have, <laughs> you have to scream at a woman. And I'm like, oh, oh, let me tell you something, lady. You're about to be killed here in just a second. You just don't know it. I'm going to start my prison ministry. The third thing is this, never get, I'm not saying hysterical, never get historical. Never get historical. You should not have a list or a history that you're keeping anywhere of someone's wrongs because that means you are literally writing them down so that you can rehearse your offenses. And how many days have to pass before you go, well, you know what, the one verse that told me to deal with it on the day, I've decided that I will take 10 years to rehearse my offenses. Be careful. Don't get his, historical. Never say the word never or always. Those aren't true. There aren't people who do things always or they never do the right thing. That's not true. There are times they do the right thing. Even De Jeffrey Dahmer, who was a notorious killer, he didn't run stop signs. That was a bad illustration. The last one is this. Never quote your pastor during a fight. Okay, you're not helping me out here. Okay, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, only that which is helpful for the building up of others. You have a temptation to do and do and say things that sound super Christian like I have a righteous ang anger. I have righteous anger. I have the right. I have this. I'm doing it for the right reason. Therefore, it is a righteous anger, and you hang your hat on that. Now, let me ask you this. Do we call other destructive forces in our life righteous? Do we ever get up and say, I have a righteous greed? No, we don't. Again, this is interactive. You can say something if I ask a question. We don't say we have righteous lust. And we never say we have righteous gluttony. 
I'm so righteous, I'm going to eat everything at the buffet today. No, we don't say those things. We don't, we don't tend to boast about things. But this one in specific, we say we have righteous anger. And here in verse 31, we're still following along in the same passage. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, brawling and slander. And just in case he leaves anything out, he says this. He says, along with every form of malice, meaning all other kinds of hatred, get it all out. Here's what verse 32 doesn't say. Be arrogant about your moral superiority. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, be critical of everyone who thinks differently than you. It doesn't say, be harsh because you're dealing with idiots. It doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, in verse 32, here's what it says. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So in four verses, he literally says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Treat everybody with kind and compassion, forgiving each other just as who forgave you? Who forgave everybody in this room? Christ. So forgiveness isn't based on you. Forgiveness isn't up to you. You don't get to decide when you forgive somebody. If you choose to accept Christ's forgiveness, you must pass it on. Just as Christ forgave you, he expects you to forgive other people. Be kind and compassionate. Forgiving how? You cannot be forgiving at a distance. You can't yell at somebody, I forgive you. I think you're amazing. I, hey, what I said earlier in the parking lot, I didn't mean it. You know, I flicked you off on the way to church. I'm sorry. You can't yell that as you're driving down the road. You've got to have these conversations up close. I have a friend or a family member, and I'm going to leave it neutral there just so that neither one can call me today, but even they probably don't even know I'm talking about them, to be honest with them. But literally, they know everything. They know everything about theology, everything about God. They know everything the government does wrong. They know everything about how to spend money, kids raising children, the truth about COVID, the sources where they get it from. You know, I ought to tell this person, out of the 8 billion people on this planet, I thank God that God sent me the perfect friend. Because you are perfect. You are never wrong. You are, that person is always Perfect. He's one of those people that he probably, even if he hears this entire message, would go, that's not me. But many of us don't know that we're those people too. Nate, if you'll come join me. It says this in Psalms, Psalms, for those of you who have a hard time finding it in your Bible says this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Search me, O oh God. Not search the other person. It doesn't say, hey, go tell this person. It says, deal with these things today. 
And I want to tell you that this is a dangerous prayer. We did an entire series called Dangerous Prayers a few months ago, but I'm telling you that this is a dangerous prayer. When you go, God, search me, oh God, that's a dangerous prayer because you're going to be held accountable to the standards that I just read to you. Search me. Where am I arrogant? Where am I judgmental? Where am I self-deceived? Where am I harboring anger? Where am I carrying offense? Get rid of that anger and be kind. You know, sometimes if you uh, look at nature, and I love watching nature shows, I just don't like being out in nature. So I watch it on TV. And if you ever see a woodpecker He's got this little beak, and he just sits there, and it looks like he's doing nothing, literally nothing, except for if a woodpecker sits there long enough, and what happens is they do their thing, and they return to the same spot day after day after day, and they hollow out a point to live in. That's what offense does to each one of us. We rehearse it every day and something that could have been dealt with on day one that had just been pecked a little bit that could have been easily glossed over has now created a hole for something to live in. That is now destroying your spirit, ruining friendships, ruining your marriage, dividing houses, dividing churches, making you question life. Why? All because we feel we have the right to carry an offense. And what is the devil's job? To kill, steal, and destroy. And he would love nothing more than to divide, distract, discredit, make you angry easily. Every minute you're angry, you lose a minute of peace. Think about that. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you with every head bowed and nobody looking around. If you'd say today, Pastor, I'm willing to pray that dangerous prayer, I'm literally going to have you repeat this prayer with me. If that's you today, you're like, you don't have to be. It can be the lightest offense. It can be the hardest offense. It doesn't matter. But you want to deal with it today. I want you to raise your hand so I can pray with you and you can pray with me right now. Will you raise your hands all across this place? You've been dealing with offense. You've been carrying offense. And you need to deal with it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands are going up all over this place. If you meant business with God just a moment ago, I want you to raise your head, and behind me, they've put up that scripture. As a matter of fact, I want everybody in this place to repeat this with me. Say, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. So if there is any offensive way in me, 
and lead me in the way of everlasting. May God bless you and keep you and watch over you this day.